All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Parentel. My name is Kayla, and this is a podcast about honest pregnancy, parenting, postpartum, honestly being a human in a, I don't know, I was going to say in a dishonest world, but like, yes and no, it's however you make it. <laughs> you know, it's some days, yes, some days, no. Um, this week's episode is going to be all about breastfeeding and uh, mental health. So I kind of figured I'd put just like a trigger warning, content warning in there. If you're starting this episode and maybe you're just not in a place to listen to this type of content, we are going to be talking about stopping breastfeeding, uh, for various reasons. We're going to be talking about all of the factors that go into essentially feeding your baby. So if you're just not in a mental headspace to listen to that right now, maybe just skip this one and come back later or skip to the end, whatever you prefer. Today, I am talking with Dr. Cindy Rubin, and Dr. Rubin is a pediatrician. She has a certified IBCLC. She's also a breastfeeding medicine specialist, which she just told me is different from an IBCLC. Hey, Cindy, welcome onto the show. How are you? Hi, thank you for having me. I am good. A nice, sunny day today. Got the sun behind me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's actually cloudy here right now. And I'm oh, like, really? I record in the basement. Yeah, I record in the basement and there is a window. Like I'm facing the little window, but I also have like my ring light, which I also consider my like substitute sad light, my seasonal affective disorder light. So yep. Yep. <laughs> it yep. like feels sunnier than it is, you know, anything to oh, just good. get those neurons going. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so tell us a little yeah. bit about what you do as a breastfeeding medicine specialist and as an IBCLC. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I started out as a pediatrician and I did that for years on its own and I was supportive of breastfeeding, but I didn't feel like I necessarily knew enough to really help my patients in the moment with what was going on with them. So I got additional training and I started out by becoming an IBCLC an international board certified lactation consultant. And it is a certification that allows for education. Uh, and so lactation consultants can give education about breastfeeding, give guidance, help with latching and supply and mental health support and all sorts of things having to do with breastfeeding. And I got that training and got that certification. And then I realized that there was a little bit more that physicians, or I, I wouldn't say more, but something different that physicians can provide also, which is unfortunately in medical training, many people, most people do not receive very much breastfeeding education. And they are on the front lines, though, with, you know, women who are breastfeeding and are struggling for whatever reason. And unfortunately, in addition to that, a lot of misinformation has been passed down as well. And so there's a lot of, I think, frustration sometimes in the lactation community by both patients as well as other um, supporters like IBCLCs, that it's hard to find physicians who really understand breastfeeding and have additional training and can manage more complicated problems that come mm. up for lactating people. Yeah. Perhaps they need a full evaluation, they need a diagnosis in order to get something covered by insurance. 
they need a prescription written or lab work done or things like that, that their, um, that their providers may not quite know what to do in those situations and may not have the time to figure it out because of the crazy system of medicine these days. Yeah. So breastfeeding medicine is a kind of niche slash specialty that has arisen where physicians can get additional training that is geared towards physicians and managing these specific problems. So though I'm an IBCLC and I can do the same things that IBCLCs can do, though there's a lot of things that they can do better than I can, uh, on the flip side, I can provide support for some of the more complicated problems that might arise that need further evaluation and treatment. So I can be a great part of a team in um, helping navigate some of these more complicated issues. And I know... Yeah, no, that was a full, no, I appreciate it. I mean, I feel like, you know, breastfeeding, I was thinking about this right before I hit recording uh, or hit record. Um, Breastfeeding and chest feeding is a subject that's near and dear to my heart because it hits me very personally. And I feel like almost every single topic that I cover on the podcast either already hits me personally, or by the end, I'm like, whoo, like, wow, that really did affect me. Or like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. Um, and so I, I appreciate your answer for being like all encompassing and like actually giving like new information, because like you said, there's so much, there's a lack of information and then there's a lot of misinformation out there and it's being not necessarily, there's, you know, not necessarily ill intentions, but like it's happening in such a crucial and vulnerable part of your life and part of your motherhood when like you need just such a kind and like understanding, um, eye and expertise. And that is not necessarily the most common thing that, uh, women are receiving when they go to a lactation consultant or go to see an IBCLC or talk to the pediatrician. Um, and I think that's, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit more, but I do think that's part of the reason why, um, many people, end up stopping breastfeeding. And there are a whole host of reasons why. And I'm, if you're new here, like I am not pro breastfeeding and anti-formula. I'm not pro formula and anti-breastfeeding. I am pro feed your baby and do it in a way that works for you and your baby. So obviously in this episode, we're going to be speaking mostly about breastfeeding and or chest feeding. But I do want to say that like I think a lot of the reasons why people end up stopping if they chose to try and chest feed is because they hit a hurdle and maybe there's no one there to who can really give them the correct information to help them. Um, for me, that was kind of why I ended up exclusively pumping. Um, I know, you know when you and I talked last week, I told you how it was like my number one goal, number one goal to breastfeed. I was so determined. I knew that my mom breastfeed me for a full year, breastfed me for a full year. And that was something that I was just maybe because I knew that information and I just thought it was like so cool and powerful. And then also being pregnant and learning more about, um, how much breast milk is just golden for your little one and how it's a bonding experience, all of those good fuzzy things. I was like, okay, yes. I am doing this. And 
aside from all of my birth prep classes and parenthood classes being canceled because of the pandemic, um, (laughs) which was a a hard hit. It was a hard hit for me to take um, considering I am a um, like kinetic learner. I'm a hands-on learner. I did take one or two like online courses. I watched some videos. I still tried my best, but I was still nowhere prepared, (laughs) like in no way prepared for the reality of not only is it a brand new skill for you, it's a brand new skill for you and your baby. So you guys are both looking at each other like, I'm sorry, we're supposed to do what? Then you're supposed to do what? No, it's not working. And then to add on to that, just general giving birth, physical like pains, physical recovering birth trauma. I had a cervical hemorrhage. I lost massive amounts of blood. I was just like, I was like a shell of a person. And it was just a whirlwind. The first, I don't know, two to three weeks, which that's another thing no one tells you is that the way that you feed your baby for the first two, three weeks is going to change like every single day. Like maybe you, like maybe you chest feed for one or two days straight and you're like, yes. And then something happens the next day and you got some formula in there, or you only pump the next day afterwards, or you're doing, um, I always call it the wrong thing. It's SNS, right? Supplemental nutrition. Yeah, yes. I definitely yeah. called it like, um, I definitely called it like inter- the abbreviation for international space station one time on this podcast. <laughs> and, it was, and it wasn't until I was going back and editing and I was like, oh no, that's wrong. <laughs> so yes, well, maybe for some people it, it might feel that complicated though. 100%. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So all of that to say, it is just like, thank you for, cause you know, I gave a really long spiel, but thank you for your long answer because there's so much that goes into this. And most of us barely scrape the surface in terms of like knowledge and understanding, which then empowers us while we're pregnant, even while we're newly postpartum. And I am just all about knowledge is power and talking about these things, asking questions, seeking out advice, seeking out resources in order to help yourself either in the moment or later. So let's get back to your specialty um, aside from IBCLC breastfeeding medicine specialist. So you were saying that you kind of dive deeper into if there are more specific, um, issues that a lactating person is going through. Now I know we're going to talk a lot about the mental health aspect, but I guess aside from that, like what else do you see? So probably the most common things I see are pain, pain that, you know, you've worked with, and IBCLCs already, and nobody can figure out why it still hurts. It seems like the baby's latch is mm. good. They've had 10 tongue tie releases and all these things, and it still hurts. So, mm. pain is a big one. Recurrent infections like uh, mastitis or just recurrent plug ducts, and um, problems with production. So, mm. women either not making as much milk as their baby needs or making more than their baby needs and having problems because of that. Mm-hmm. I'd say those are probably the three number one reasons that I see moms, but then there's a host of other things that I can address. I can help with inducing lactation and I can um, 
help again with with some aspects of mental health. I think the key thing for most people who work with breastfeeding moms is just being able to recognize when there are mental health issues and address yeah. them and get moms to the right resources. I'm not a therapist myself. Yeah. But you know, again, on the front lines. And by the time people are seeing me, they often are really, really struggling and mental health is almost even if it's not pathologic necessarily, it's there. There's something, you know, it's yeah. inevitably affecting people. Yeah. So when so if someone comes to you and that scenario that you said before, they've seen like 10 IBCLCs before, they are basically at their wits end. Um, how would you say that their mental health is being negatively affected by breastfeeding? And I'm, you know, not necessarily asking this because I don't know the answer. I just want to hear from your experience and let other people know kind of what it's like for someone. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting because a lot of the time when you hear about the benefits of breastfeeding, you hear about how breastfeeding can help prevent and decrease the amount of postpartum depression mm-hmm. that you see. But that's really, if you really look at the studies, you can see that that is true, but not when breastfeeding is not going the way you had expected it to or planned on it or wanted it to. So when you're struggling, it actually negatively can affect you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're not, so just like you said, you're in the midst of this vulnerable time, you're exhausted, you're recovering physically, you're a parent whose main job is to feed your baby. And everywhere you are, you're hearing how important breastfeeding is and beneficial breastfeeding is. And that fact we can't take away. I mean, it is, you know, breast milk is made for your baby. And there are things that we cannot replicate in other ways. And there's no way to change that. That is what it is. But, you know, we want to give our kids everything that we can. And so we've decided this is what we want to do. And when that doesn't work out, it can be really devastating. And many people, myself included, push through all of that pain and do things that are pushing ourselves to pretty big extremes, like pushing through physical pain or doing something we call triple feeding that we can talk more about, which is fine in the short term, maybe, but it's not sustainable long term. Uh, It's just more exhausting. Um, And women feel like they need to just keep going and keep going, whether that's from the outside or from the inside. Mm. That's how a lot of women feel. And they feel like they are failing at motherhood if they stop. And when you put that on top of already going through hormonal changes and even women who are have no breastfeeding problems whatsoever are still at risk of postpartum depression and anxiety. Yeah. So, you know, we're adding everything on and um, quite frequently it can really become something that's kind of taking over and really affecting your ability to, to function. Yeah. I mean, you just said so many things that like just so true and also just hit me personally. And it kind of goes right into what we were like probably the main chunk of what we're going to talk about is how 
you know, breastfeeding is not free. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest costs is your mental health aside from time. I feel like your mental health is entwined with all of these things I'm about to list your time, your energy, the amount of groceries you have to buy because you're supposed to eat well and you're extra hungry when you're lactating. It takes away, you know, time in your relationship. So it costs your relationships. You are in physical pain sometimes when you are breastfeeding. And then there's the guilt of not breastfeeding. So it costs you and your family and your unit, all of those things. And yet it is still something that, you know, if I were to walk into the hospital down the street right now and go walk on the labor and delivery ward, the amount of posters that I would see. And I'm sure I feel like the phrase breast is best is like kind of going away, but the sentiment behind it is not going away. Like we've left that phrase in the dark because it is super harmful, but the feeling behind it is still there that like, well, of course you're going to breastfeed because that's what, that's, what's best for your baby. Don't you want what's best for your baby? Because don't you care about your baby and love your baby? Don't you want to be a good mom and breastfeed your baby? And it's just the, again, nothing necessarily has ill intentions, but when you think about it, and we talked about how vulnerable a lactating person is during this time when you're new to it, and if it's not going well, all of those things being put on them just takes a severe toll, which then, as we know, takes a toll on your supply. And it just Absolutely. just yep. keeps going, just mm-hmm. keeps going. So um, I guess I want to ask if someone comes to you and you can tell, that they are just really, their mental health is really struggling. What does it look like? Or I guess, how has it looked like to you before? What's the kind of conversation that you're having there? Because again, it's so delicate. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to tell them stop, but you can see that maybe stopping chest feeding or breastfeeding would be good for them. Mm -hmm. So what does Mm -hmm. that look like? Like, how do you approach that? certainly depends on the situation. I think one of the difficult things during COVID was that when I, in my former clinical position, I was seeing people in a clinic and the partners couldn't come in. Mm. And that was tough because it's, it's so much easier to get a feel for what's really going on. Mm. I think when the partner is there as well as have that partner hear what you have to say, both in terms of supporting continuing breastfeeding or potentially bringing up mental health concerns yeah, and being supportive of stopping if necessary. So I'm glad that we're coming out of that and especially in my current position and the way I um, treat people uh, most commonly in their homes. Mm-hmm. I think it lends itself to figuring out the whole story and what's going on a lot better. Yeah. But, you know, some sometimes when people get to me, I'm kind of their last stop. They already are very, very strongly considering stopping mm. breastfeeding and are sad about that and want to make sure that they've done everything that they can and figured out, you know, is there a reason that's, that's treatable? And 
it can be very clear in that conversation that they're that it's affecting women, that it's affecting their mental health. Often there are tears. And I think it's just sometimes it's just being there and just listening to the story mm. and helping moms just feel heard and that I can provide them with that. I can't always provide them with success, can't always fix the problem, but I can often give answers and help women accomplish that, feeling like they've done everything that they can. But I usually talk about it in the context of the fact that I am there. I tell people right off the bat that I'm there to give them the tools to perhaps produce more milk or improve their pain or whatever it may be. I'm there to give them all of the tools that I can and all of the resources. But that doesn't mean that they have to do every single one of those things. Mm. It's impossible for me to know myself where is the breaking point for this parent. Yeah. And it may be different today than it is tomorrow, too. So it's a lot of just feeling the room and um, just, again, listening to what's going on and sometimes mirroring that back to people so that they can hear what you're picking up on. And, um, you know, it's a sensitive topic often to bring up. If, if if it seems like that person is not really aware that they're feeling some anxiety or depression yeah. or whatever it may be, it can be very sensitive. And I may not bring it up at that first visit mm. um, because I feel like I don't have that relationship yet. I bring it, I, I identify it and perhaps start to bring in some of those potential resources and support and I make sure that a mom is safe and that the baby is safe and all of those things but I may not lay it out as heavily yeah. <laughs> if I feel like a mom's not ready for it and then kind of chip away at that it can be very threatening to have somebody well yeah just be like hey maybe you yeah, yeah. I mean talk about feeling like a failure if you right. have anyone, but especially a specialist being like, no, you just need to stop. Yeah. Right. right. And I also impress upon moms that breast milk is not everything. Yes, it's very valuable and we want to provide it if we can or if we choose to. But formula is not the devil. It's not poison. It's there, thank goodness to save lives and to provide nutrition when we can't get the breast milk for whatever reason. And that's okay. And it's okay to use that when we need to. I'm the first person to say that we need to feed your baby. And that is, you know, having to give something other than breast milk is not what defines you as a parent. It is the struggles and mm-hmm. the love and all of those other things that are really making you this mother. Yeah. And yeah. all of these other things going on does not 
take away from what you, the amazing things that you are. Oh, yeah. And I just have that conversation over and over again because sometimes it takes a while to let That's that. exactly what I was going to say. It, <laughs> yep. I mean, it, it's yep. repetitive exposure. I was going to say the I read that. I had people say that to me. I had to basically, you know, like retrain my brain and had mm-hmm. I had to have that become one of the things that I first said to other people and then could say to myself and like actually believe it because we do, unfortunately, a lot of us do end up putting our self-worth or our goodness as a parent, as a mother, we equate it with breastfeeding or how much milk we produce or how long we breastfed for. And the reality is like, it's, there's no, there's no competition that has nothing to do with how much you love your child and how successful or how smart your child is going to be. And the first day of kindergarten, the teacher's not going to say, okay, now raise your hand if you were breastfed and now raise your head if you were formula. Like no, no one, no one cares. And it truly doesn't matter. You do what you need to do to feed your baby, but it absolutely takes some time to really feel that and really accept it. I mean, for me, it, it was, you know, I felt like, felt like a failure because I didn't, cause I wasn't able to chest feed. Uh, my son had severe lip and tongue ties and the first couple of days of breastfeeding, you know, as we were trying to figure it out was toe curling pain mm-hmm. on my end. Mm-hmm. And that for me, like was mentally scarring and like somehow emotionally scarring for me as well. And when, um, and I have since had breast reduction surgery, but obviously I had to used to have a very large chest and then postpartum, one of the lactation consultants on the labor or on the recovery ward, she called them your Dolly Partons. So <laughs> not just me, everyone, she called them like, Oh, wow. oh yeah, no, 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 not just me, not just me, not just me. <laughs> Not just me. I wasn't singled out. <laughs> she was saying when your milk came yeah. in, she was calling that like your Dolly Parton time. She was like, when your Dolly Partons come in and I like got it immediately. Like I got the reference, but mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, whatever. But I do remember, you know, she was, it was crazy accurate. I will say like it, she predicted like to the hour when my milk was going to come in and I don't remember, I'm sure, you know, like in general, what the timeline tends to be. Was it five days after I gave birth? It's usually somewhere between three and five. Yeah. And it was like, she, she was like, well, what time was he born? And I was like, oh, 6.30 PM. She was like, yep, it's going to be around the evening of uh, the 24th or the 23rd. Wow. And, and it, I mean, literally it was, but I was bad. So I was dealing with my son's lip and tongue tie, which we got revised pretty quickly, thankfully, because I saw a lactation consultant. And I mean, she took one look at his mouth. She was like, Whoa, that is intense. Here is a referral for a pediatric dentist. And he did the laser, which took two seconds. And, but I had already experienced that pain and my brain could not forget that pain. I just couldn't move past it. I was so scared of feeling that pain again. And, you know, also 
being told that because I had large boobs, breast chest feeding would be difficult was the opposite of helpful. And I find it crazy now that like, no one told me about like the different positions that you can breastfeed in, which blows. Now I'm like, are you kidding? And you know, part of me gets really upset because it's like, I could have fucking done this. If someone had said to me, Hey, you know, you can do it sideline. You know, you can literally just like drop the boob into the kid's mouth. If he's like laying on your bed, I would have been golden, but it just didn't work out for me. And I ended up exclusive pumping, which I did like for a while, partially because it meant that my husband could be more involved and we could also trade off doing nights, but I still felt less than, especially when, you know, well-meaning people are just asking you, so are you breastfeeding? Right. Yeah. And it's like, like just not realize yet. They don't realize what a loaded question they're asking me in that moment. And I felt initially, I felt obligated to, you know, divulge. And as I grew more confident, and as I also just realized that like, no, I don't, I'm feeding my baby. I'm doing my job just fine. I don't owe anyone an explanation unless I feel comfortable telling them. But yeah, it took it took me a while to confidently say, I'm exclusive pumping. Mm-hmm. And kind of just like, period. Oh, you don't know what that is? Sure. I'll explain it to you. And mm-hmm. then after stopping, so I stopped four months later, I stopped in like mid-September or something like that. My son was born in mid-May. And then I had to deal with that because mm-hmm. it was the, oh, well, I only did it for four months. And I, yep. And I had to remove the only from my sentence. I did it for four months. That's a long time. Like that's so long. It's a third of a year. Like that is a long ass time. Every two to three hours. I pumped every two to three hours, like six times a day. Like looking back on it now. Yes. Like time really does give you such a different perspective, especially Mm -hmm. I feel like when you look back and you're like, wow, like at what you went through and it seemed so hard at the time and it was, but now you're looking back and you can see how hard it was, but also how strong you were at the same time and how awesome of a job you were doing. But yes, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not immediate unfortunately. And it is partially because strangers are asking you or family and friends are asking you, are you breastfeeding? And then if your answer happens to be no, then of course they think it leaves the door open for them to ask, oh, well, why? And no is a full sentence. Mm-hmm. And what comes, you have to just, it's all about drawing boundaries. I yeah. feel like we I talk about boundaries so much on this show, but especially with something as personal as choosing how you feed your child, it is draw that line hard and fast Mm -hmm. and let in who you want to let in and everyone else can see the door on their way out. Yep. I mean, and it goes both ways because then also you may not want to hear somebody say, Oh, just give a bottle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. 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 How much I'm doing (laughs) to not do that. You know, and and maybe Betty should hear that. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Or yes. you may never be ready. That may not be what you're going to do, period. And everybody is different. Like, and it's so personal. And and that's what makes my job tricky is mm, figuring yeah. that out. And I don't want to 
make anybody feel bad or alienate anybody or but I'm also like they're coming to me because <laughs> they want to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. And, so and that's such a good point of having a partner or a spouse. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about that. Um our lactation consultant, thankfully, like she was seeing people on the weekends um in her office. I remember the first time we went. Uh, yeah, it was like a Saturday. And so the hospital or the pediatrician's office, because I gave birth on base. So I keep, it wasn't at the hospital, but it was right next to the yeah. hospital. So I'll probably end up saying hospital. It was empty. So I feel like in general, that was nice. <laughs> there was just yeah. no one there. <laughs> like it was literally me, Robin, my son and Jimmy and her. And it, that was it. But yep. I didn't even, if I, if Jimmy hadn't been able to come with me, I do think it would have been a different experience and she might not have seen how hurt I was and how much I was struggling. And I actually do remember Jimmy kind of speaking a little bit more for me because I think I remember him saying, like, I could just see it in your face. Like you wanted to tell her and you're just so exhausted And it was just another thing that was going to exhaust you. So I remember kind of just sitting there at first and he was just talking and I was just like, yes, thank you, please. Because I can't like explain this to another person. I'm like, I'm going to start, I'm going to burst into tears if I have to say this out loud. So I didn't, yeah, that is such a, yeah, to have the difference between going by yourself or with just the baby versus having that person who really knows what's going on. Yeah. Huge yeah. difference. Yeah. And oftentimes the dads were like out in the car and I didn't even mm. know it. And I would have been like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. I don't care about the rules. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the interesting things that you said was, you know, you're, you know, you having struggles right up front and the problem was not you the problem was not your baby the problem was that we don't have enough support that you didn't get that education beforehand yeah different ways to potentially latch or it might be painful or I mean people go into breastfeeding not understanding what to expect and not Mm -hmm. knowing how to maximize their chance of quote unquote success. Success is different for everyone, so I don't like to use that word. But uh and I, thankfully I think that that's starting to change, but it's yeah still I think people have to really seek that out themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're only going to seek it out if you have that idea in your mind that maybe you need help. And yeah. a lot of people don't find out that they need help until it's already they're in the thick of it. Yeah. And then it's harder to fix things or maybe the problem wouldn't have happened if you'd known about it. Oh yeah. Obviously we can't predict everything, but I do think, you know, if you're listening to this and you are planning on breastfeeding and you haven't had that experience yet, I I actually just um did a little uh class with some expecting parents yesterday and it's hard. I don't want to scare people to exactly. think, oh my God, it's going to be awful. It's going to yeah. be painful and I'm going to have to worry about my supply. And it's not that. 
And for many people, it's very smooth. It's a very smooth process. But I think it's the people who have the smooth process are the ones that kind of had a little bit of that information going. So mm. just knowing that it, there may be some challenges, I think that can make a big difference yeah. in just your mindset so that you're not so taken aback when things aren't looking the way you have Exactly. Life. I mean, that's one of, if not the main reason I started this podcast. And occasionally I do like remind people, all of this is not to scare you. It's to inform and empower you. Um, Because there are so many things about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, like you name it, that they're all such a deep well. And it can be over, maybe it's overwhelming. Maybe you literally don't have time maybe you just don't know what you don't know. Right. But the more you do know, the more set up for yes, quote success you will be. And it is, I do think about that often, especially with starting um, my birth class um, and being a birth educator. It's easy for me to just say things like, oh yeah, it's going to, it might be painful or, oh yeah, well, if this, then this, you know, and I say it was very factual because mm-hmm. it's something that I've either experienced or I'm just used to, and it's just basic for me. But I do often think about, okay, when I was pregnant, if someone were giving this information to me, like how would I want it to be delivered? And also even just saying like, I'm not saying this to scare you or intimidate you. I want you to know so that you can be more prepared. Yeah. Yep. It's just about being prepared so that you can end up making the best choices for you and for your baby, because ultimately that's all that matters. Take care of yourself, take care of your baby. Nothing else matters ever, really. (laughs) (laughs) Ever again, really. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. much. (laughs) At least for the first, like minimum three to 12 months, just take care of yourself. I was going to say 18 years. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that too. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm only two years in, but yes, it's still, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. I'm working to take care of myself and take care of my kid. Two full-time jobs, two and a half. Yes. Forever. Two and a 2.5 full-time jobs. As we have found out now that being a stay-at-home parent is the equivalent of having two and a half full-time jobs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. And yet where's, where's my two and a half full-time job money? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on and just, you know, really talking about this from an honest perspective. And I really appreciate that you understand it's such a delicate topic and, you know, bedside manner really matters. um, Because I know I've heard a few stories from other people where that bedside manner just was not there. And that has a huge impact on your mental health and on your ability to believe in yourself and then on your, like how you perceive the rest of that situation. And it stays with you. Like you carry that with you either into the next pregnancy or just, you know, in your general experiences. And when you think back on your pregnancy and postpartum experiences, you remember stuff like that. I remember the lactation consultant sighing and kind of muttering under her breath and saying, Oh, your breasts really are big. You know, like I can still, I hear that in my head. I can hear that exactly how she said it. 
Yeah. So how you approach people. No ill intent. No ill intent whatsoever. Whatsoever. It's a statement of fact. They were huge. I mean, (laughs) she wasn't wrong, but it was just really not what I wanted to hear in the moment, knowing that, yes, my, my one boob is like three times the size of my kid's head right now. And that means I have to approach things differently. And I say that now, but two years ago, two and a half years ago, in my mind, that meant, oh, well, I guess I just can't do this. I guess this just isn't for me. And I, or there's something wrong with you. Exactly. Like, why are my boobs have to be so big? This, like, if only they were smaller, then I'd be able to do this. And that's so not the truth. And I know that now, but I definitely didn't know that then. Yeah. So knowing like you, the fact that you keep bringing up like how you have to build that relationship with people. You have to know how to approach people. You have to be able to read context clues and maybe use the partner as like a hint so that you can really figure out what's going on. It's so important. It's gonna make a huge difference in the quality of care. So thank you for being clearly an amazing person at your job. But I mean, I think that I think one of the key takeaways here is figure out where you can get that support before you have the baby. Mm, yes. You may not need it, but be be prepared in that way. You know, seek out where there's going to be a, you know, who are the lactation consultants? Can you maybe even have a visit with one of them before your baby comes to learn those different latches, which granted you may not remember them when the time comes, but you will have heard about them and seen yes. them. And so something's going to sink in. And even if you don't remember each latch, you'll know that there are different ones that you can ask about. Yeah. And that can be super helpful. And most lactation consultants will do prenatal visits, um, as well as hospital test classes. And um, there's lots of ways to reach out for prenatal support. And then you've developed a relationship with somebody who can then also be hopefully your supporter afterwards as well. Yeah. And just having that lined up, at least just in case, if not using it preemptively, um, is so helpful. And uh, I think that that's where we need to do a better job. As a first-time pregnant person, I never would have thought to make a prenatal appointment or that a lactation consultant would even see me before I had the baby And um, I think it was in the previous episode concerning breastfeeding and feeding your baby where um, Vanessa said that she saw an IBCLC and um, that was like the first person, not the first person she went to, but the first person who really, really helped her unique situation. And they're the ones who told her, you know, if you end up having a second child or it's just make an appointment beforehand. Even mm-hmm. if you end up canceling it, just make right. the appointment. And right. I, no one had ever said that to me. That was just like, <laughs> like, this is brand new information. Like I can't, like, it's genius, of course. And that's something that I tell people now, just schedule it. You may, maybe you don't go, maybe you do go, but it's there. It's in the books. It's scheduled if you need it. So thank you. Yes. Like just, just make the appointment. And if you don't go, yeah. you don't go. And if you go, right. great. Right. And believe me, even if you think you don't need it, <laughs> you probably could learn something. Exactly. You know, I mean, it's constantly changing to 
too. You, you know, as you go through those first few months, just like you said, the way you feed your baby one day is going to be different the next day. I mean, when you leave the hospital, things may be going well, and then you go home and you hit that my milk is coming in time and yeah. you're on your own and you have no idea what's going on and nobody really warned you about that. So if you yeah. already had that appointment made with somebody, we could help you then or let you know that that's going to happen and then help with going back to work and yes. you know, all the other things that are going to come up. There's going to be something we can talk about at that visit. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. When it's like you touch your boobs and they literally feel like rocks like, and you're just like, I'm, I'm sorry. What? Like, I always think of, I'm, I'm sure I told my husband this in the moment. I always think of Amy Poehler in Mean Girls where she was Regina George's mom and she had like the terrible boob job. So it was, uh-huh. and they were like, her boobs are hard as rocks. And the chihuahuas like gnawing on the nipple and she just like, can't even feel it. And I'm pretty sure I told my husband, I was like, I'm Regina George's mom right now. Like I, I get it now. I get the term literally. (laughs) There's always going to be something that pops up where you're just like, what? It's just something new. And even, you know, I've only ever had one pregnancy and one baby, but so many people say even from pregnancy to pregnancy, like completely different experiences, completely different. Maybe you breastfed one baby and you formula fed the other because either you wanted to, or there was something that led you down that path. Like you can always learn more and there's always something you can learn. So just make the appointment. If you don't go great, but you'll most likely go is what we're kind of saying. Right. <laughs> You'll most likely go to the appointment. <laughs> you have pretty much nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah. Just if anything, yeah. it's like a time to just kind of sit there and have someone tell you that you're doing a really great job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you probably can't meet a more supportive group of people when in those IBCLCs. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Our jobs are. Yeah. I'm so thankful that there are so many people around who are doing this important work. And I just, I'm I'm glad that people are having podcasts about it and to get the word out that there is help out there. And don't let the system fail you. Exactly. Like we are very pro, like fuck the man, like, yes, like, Like, don't let, yeah, like, don't let the system get you down because Mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot, like, it's a lot of pressure. It's so much pressure that just, I I feel like it starts externally, Mm -hmm. maybe even years before maybe you even get pregnant. And then it just morphs into internal and the internal pressure is very, like, it takes a while to kind of really talk to yourself and make your, you know, realize that you're doing the best that you can, no matter what you choose to do. Yeah. Yeah. And actually one other point that I just thought of that I want to make also is if you're listening to this and you have experienced problems and you're sitting here listening and thinking, Oh my God, this is bringing back all of these feelings. Mm. And I'm, that's even me right right now. now. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pregnant again now, or I want to have another baby and I, I don't know why I can do it again. I mean, this is for some women, this is PTSD for real. Like it is post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. You have this lingering anxiety and it's going to affect your next journey because 
it's there and you're going to be worried that you're, there's no way for you to not be worried about it. So even if you're out of the actual situation and you think, okay, I stopped for, you know, it's, that journey's over for whatever reason, um, you still may want to reach out for some mental health. Absolutely. And support to help you get through the next time or to just work through that so that you can put it behind you or yeah. it can help inform your next uh, experience in a positive way. Yeah. Such a good point. I, we've talked about trauma and PTSD a lot on this podcast mm-hmm. and how much it is very real for moms and a lot of parents. And I think that's also another thing that is not being talked about often. And we're, I feel like in general, as a society, we're understanding that like PTSD can happen. Not, it's not just like going to war. It's not just like these large, like out of the ordinary events. It is these things that just leave scars on you. And it could be something as easy, obviously I'm putting quotes around that (laughs) as breastfeeding. And yeah, it's really important to kind of just like check in with yourself and see how you're feeling about it. And then obviously you guys know I'm obsessed with therapy. So just go (laughs) seriously. Like, and you know, if you can find a therapist, (laughs) yes. If you can find a therapist that specializes in PTSD or maternal mental health, I mean, just really, again, just like making that appointment, like you have nothing to lose. It's only going to help you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of perimental. Yes. Health workers too. Perimental. I I didn't hear that. I definitely heard. That's exactly what I heard. So I didn't even, I was like, why is she correcting? Yes. Perinatal. No, I think you, I'll find out when I'm at it. I don't know. Well, this has been so great. Um, last yeah. two questions. So mm-hmm. how has being a parent changed you as a person? So we actually haven't talked about your kids at all. So I don't know how many, like, I'll be frank. I don't know how many kids you have. I don't know how old <laughs> they are, but I do know that you're a parent. So how do you think you have changed as a person since becoming a parent? Oh boy. So I have a 10 year old boy and a year old girl. And I think it's, anything they have helped me to accept the fact that I am not perfect <laughs> and, and that all of their imperfections are not necessarily my mm, fault yeah that's a hard one yeah really yes and, you know I'm working on that um but I I have I feel like it's trite, but you know, I've, I've realized that it's my family that I need to prioritize, and which kind of takes me into what I know is going to be your next question, which is the long yeah. hair. I mean, you um, can roll, do it, you can roll right in. I, you know, I spent 13 years in a job that I knew was not right for me, and by the end, was definitely affecting my home experience, my home life, my relationship with my husband and my kids. And so my most recent self-care has been getting out of that situation. 
passion and nice. creating something that is my own. And it's so hard. I, I have my own business now and it's young and which everybody says like a baby. <laughs> and so this is kind of like I haven't had a baby and I still have to spend a lot of time on that and don't have every single second with my kids. But I, I'm able to carve it out when I really need it. I was at every single one of my son's playoff baseball games last year that were all scheduled last minute. And I never would have made it to them. Mm. So I think my, you know, for me, it's been getting the guts to make the changes in my life that I need to on a more immediate level. I definitely need to do a better job of scheduling massages and time with my friends and, you know, those other things that, that I think I do need. It's so hard balancing it all. Yes. But again, we're not perfect. And, you know, some days we're going to be better at one thing and the next day we'll be better at another thing. Yes. Yes. 100%. Yeah. So I think it's just little by little I've been learning that. And my kids have been a big part of teaching me that. That's awesome. I also love can I just say, I love that you're, that you said playing with your friends and I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> like, I think I might see that and be like, yeah, I'm just going to go play because I mean, that's what you're doing. It's exactly what we're doing. Like adults play with their friends too. Like adults have fun with their friends. It just looks different, which naturally. So my son is obsessed. Your kids are probably not into it because it's for younger kids. My son's obsessed with bluey. <clears throat> oh and, yeah. We still that one. I don't know yeah. Well, it's, it just came out. I think like two years ago, it's from Australia. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. yeah. 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 So you, yeah, you didn't miss it They're They just, they're older, but I mean, they okay. might like it. It's very cute, short episodes. And it's just like the most wholesome, like the parent, <laughs> like they're just, Oh, I just love it so much. But there's an episode where um, it's called stump fest. We've rewatched these episodes so many times. So it's called stump <laughs> fest and um, the dad bandit is like ripping out a giant stump from their backyard and their dogs. And they're Australian and um, he, the, he's him and his friends are like so excited to rip out this stump and they're doing another one, like in the neighbor's yard or something. So Bluey, who's the oldest daughter and bingo are doing like a nail salon, like on the stump and the dad's like, okay, so you can do this now, but you understand that's a stump. This is stump fest. I'm going to be ripping that out. And they're like, yeah, sure. Whatever. And they're having fun doing their nail salon. And then Bandit and the friend come over and they're like, all right, say goodbye to the stump. And the kids are really upset. And they're like, no, like this is our nails. Like you can't, no, we're not leaving. And they're like protesting. And um, the the mom's name is Chili. And Chili's like on the balcony. She's like, oh, just let them have their fun talking to Bandit, talking to the adults. And he's like, but I want to have fun too. And so eventually <laughs> the girls, you know, move their nail salon somewhere else. I think the bargain is that like they got to paint the dad's nails and oh, then they moved. Yes. Cool. And then they moved there. Yes. It is like such an inclusive show. Highly recommend. Honestly, like I've cried watching a certain episode. Like it's the writing is just <laughs> oh, so good, but so oh, yes, please. But at the end, um, Bluey, the girl is watching the dad and his friend have so much fun ripping out the stump. And she's just like sad that it's leaving. And she's like, how come she says something like, 
why are they taking away my fun? Or like, I was having so much fun on that. And the mom says, look, they're having fun too. Adults have fun too. They just do it in different ways. Like your dad is playing with his friends right now. He's having fun with his friends. It just looks different. So immediately that's what that made me think of. And I love it because that's 100% what we're doing. And it's okay for us to do that. We should go do that. And our kids should see us doing that Mm -hmm. because it makes them realize that we are not just mom or dad. And then also how important it is to have your own things and do your own things like massages. So that has been one of my goals too, is to schedule a massage. Like this week, my goal is to call the place. I found the place. (laughs) So this week, my goal is to call the place and schedule the massage. And we have to kind of like, yeah, you're like rewiring your brain, like unlearning, you know, we're not selfish for doing these things. We are being like just human beings. And it's important to do that. Yeah. 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 So thank you for just like mask first, right? Yes. (laughs) Your own mask first. So thank you for bringing it full circle. And of course I got to talk about Bluey. So I'm very happy. (laughs) Seriously, check it out. Dump Fest needs to be the new. Dump Fest. uh, You know, needs to make its way into every show now. Yes. Oh, maybe lawn chair is going away and it's just going to be stump fest. What's your stump fest? The chair to go away. I know. We'll have to somehow combine it. It's going to be, that's part of stump fest is you get to like, you know, it's, I mean, it's a festival. So you, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. So much fun and well, I'm talking about a very important and serious topic, actually. Yeah. But, no, it's, been a, it's been a joy, and I hope that it reaches some people and helps some people out there. And yeah. Be happy to be on any other anytime. Yeah. <laughs> well, before you go, please tell us so what is your business called and where are you located? Because I we do have some listeners where you are located. Oh, cool. Well, I am uh, the owner and founder of Income Pediatrics and Lactation, which is a membership-based pediatrics practice and a, an a la carte practice uh, for breastfeeding outside of Chicago. I'm in the western suburbs of Chicago, and I'm licensed in Illinois, so I can do things virtually <clears throat> excuse me, throughout Illinois, and I have lots of different kinds of packages and ways that I can support people out there or even just, you know, refer, you know, find somebody where you are. I'm happy to be a resource for anybody anywhere. That's awesome. I will definitely put uh, Dr. Rubin's website in the show notes. If you wanted to check it out, if you are in the Chicago area, or if you would like her to help you find someone who can help you close to where you are, or if you want to do a virtual consult or something like that in the state of Illinois. Thank you again so much. I really appreciate it. All right. Talk to you guys. Schedule your massage. Yes. Here we go. Okay. (laughs) Bye. All right. Bye-bye.